Hey everybody, welcome to back to my podcast today. Um, I wanted to talk about something that's really important to me. Um, I actually start. I did a session once at Cater Source. Uh, I think it was last year, and I called it "Even Cinderella Had a Timeline," because even Cinderella had a timeline. Because if you can remember in in Disney's classic, the fairy godmother told her that at twelve o'clock, it was over, and there are a lot of times people forget that when, when you sign a contract, that there is a timeline involved. And I'm going to share with you a really simple um, timeline that will also allow all your preferred professionals to eat and no one complain um, and give everybody their, their time. You know, actually give you 30 minutes to actually have some water, drink, hydrate, freshen up, whatever you need to do, and then get back to work so that you can do your best job for your client. So we're going to start with a basic um, timeline. Let's start with, say, um, they're getting married at 4.30. So that means guests would start arriving about 4 o'clock. So 4 o'clock, guests arrive, get them to their seats. I am not a big fan, to be honest with you, of pre-ceremony drinks. Um, I just think that you should be present and, you know, in the same breath, uh, photographers hate to see um, cell phones and cameras out while they're taking pictures of the wedding. So why should there be a glass or a beer or a beer can, a beer bottle or any of that stuff in those pictures as well? Think about that when you're doing those pre-ceremony drinks. It's, a, it's To me, it's a big deal. So, you know, guests arrive at four o'clock, have them get to their seats, you know, 4.30, the wedding starts on time. Five o'clock is the start of cocktail hour. So now you have cocktail hour starting at five o'clock and it usually runs about an hour unless they choose an hour and a half, but you know, that's a different episode about extra time, extra money. Make sure you get paid for everything that you're doing. So five to six is cocktail hour. You know, you open your bars, that big rush always goes to the bar. Um, you know, cocktails are always kind of the slow part of it, the hors d'oeuvre part, because people are really racing to get to the bar and get a drink. Um, they feel more comfortable when they have a drink in their hand. It sort of kind of eases that um, sort of nervousness that they feel. <laughs> you know, they know everybody at the wedding, so I don't know why they're nervous. But that's a, that's a different topic. So, you know, five to six cocktail hour, butler or d'oeuvres. I te- technically sometimes at 5.50 start getting everybody either into the barn, the tent, the venue, whatever, whatever you have chosen as your location. So at 5.50 you start getting everybody into their seats because from 5 to 6 people have already found where they're sitting because that's where your place cards or your big signs that show everybody where they're sitting are located throughout cocktail hour. So it gives them an activity to do. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. So from 5.50 to about 6, we get everybody into their seats so we can actually do your introductions. First dance as husband and wife or first dance as a couple. Um, I want to be politically correct on everything. Then you do your parent dances. You do your toasts. Maid of honor first, best man. Here is why. If you look at a room, you have everybody's attention. Everybody is sitting down. All eyes are on you. I know where your parents are. I know where the photographers, the videographers are. Get it all out of the way. Do it all. Get it Get it done. You're not racing anybody, and I'll, it'll explain itself as we go down the timeline. Get it all out of the way. You're going to get some really great shots. When you break up your intros and first dance and parent dances and all that stuff throughout the evening, people check out. 
And if you can think back at a wedding that you've been to where you've had dinner and now they're calling you in to see the parent dances, nine times out of 10, you are not going in there to go see that parent dance. So for your sake, take the photos, get them done, get them all done while everybody's sitting down. That's a half an hour of all those activities happening. Dinner should be coming out about 6.30. 6.30 to 7.30 would be dinner. The photographers and the videographers will not be taking any photos during dinner because that's an awful picture to have somebody having food, you know, shoved into their mouth. That allows the preferred professionals 30 minutes to have dinner, freshen up, get something to drink, eat. I think that's ample enough time for them to do anything. That's why I always say do not allow your other preferred professionals unless it's your event planner or your caterer determine your timeline. That's why food goes out either cold, dried out, because somebody else has started to do something that is not on the timeline, that is not being followed. All any caterer is actually asking you is to allot them the one hour for dinner so that you have a hot meal on that plate and on that table. So now 30 minutes has gone by, you know, you're looking at 7.30, we're usually tapping the videographers or the photographers and saying, hey, we're ready to cut the cake. That's 7.30, that's one hour. Realistically, if you're having 200 people, you're doing a plated meal, um, I like to do dual entrees, so it helps with everything, and then you only have to worry about, you know, vegetarians or somebody who might have celiac and all the other special dietary needs that are out there now. So 200 people should take you about 15 minutes to serve the entire room. That's 20 tables. Um, that's my calculation. That's what we run off of. That's 33 years of doing it. You know, realistically, that looks like everybody's having dinner together for one hour. You will be really re ready to actually cut the cake. Sorry, I stumbled on my words there. Ready to cut the cake around 7.25, but leave it at 7.30. Cut your cake, open your dance floor, photographer takes some more photos, the videographer's doing, that's two and a half hours of dancing because your wedding's over at 10. So that timeline really works out in your best interest as the client. And it also helps your preferred professionals get something to eat, which is in most of their contracts. So let's be real. We're not, I personally do not feed my preferred professionals before I feed the actual clients. I just don't. That is my, um, on, in my contracts, because realistically, we are not guests. I will feed you, but you will be fed after every guest is served. And, you know, that's just the way it is with us. Um, it's, you know, if it hurts anybody's feelings, that's, that's on you. You will get a meal. Um, but the reality is the guests are first. And to be honest with you, if you want your meal first, then you better be bringing a gift. Nothing from Bed Bath & Beyond, but you better be bringing a gift. Because if you're going to act like a guest, bring a gift. Um, that's what I'm going to tell everybody when it's my daughter's turn to get married. Hopefully for another six or seven years, I'm just, you know, anticipating the, the drama that will occur for her wedding. Timelines really do play an important role. So if you wanted to think about your timelines, think about your timeline starting at eight in the morning, you know, getting up, getting refreshed, you know, shaking off the nerves that you have because you're getting married. Make sure you have breakfast Make sure that you're, that you're calm, that there's this inner peace. You know, if you like to work out, take 30 minutes and do a light workout. Um, you know, then at 8.30, 9 o'clock, I'm assuming hair and makeup will start coming in. You know, always leave yourself last to be made up. 
let, let's just be honest, sometimes boys do not have a lot of, you know, hair and makeup stuff to do. So they can actually go do a ton of stuff all morning and then come back and be ready by four o'clock, like in a, in, in a split second. So leave yourself a lot of time because it does get nerve wracking because the time goes by so fast. And I have explained this to everybody. I said, by the time you blink, it'll be 10 o'clock at night or 11 or 12, depending on how you do your timeline. Um, so, you know, you know, start with breakfast, hair and makeup comes in, make sure you a lot time for uh, lunch because lunch is always important to have something in your stomach because you get nervous even if it's something that's light uh, bread toast uh, jam jelly peanut butter sandwich something that will fill you up so that the nerves and the butterflies don't hit you all at once and if you're doing a first look for a four o'clock guest arrival 4 30 wedding do it at two o'clock that's my my recommendation two o'clock allows you enough time to take photos do your family photos and give you enough time to go back, fix your makeup, go to the bathroom, fix your hair and get all of that straightened out and maybe, you know, steam out some of the stuff on your dress because you've been in and out of a car if you're going to different locations. You know, two o'clock, that gives you enough time to get to the location. You know, I have always suggested to my couples, arrive a few minutes late, make people wait for you. It is your wedding. They came to see you. So you don't have to start at 4.30 on the dot, especially if you're, you know, if you're doing an efficient wedding, you're looking at 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour tops, depending on how religious you want your service to be or how quick you want your service to be. So you'll be ready by five o'clock for your cocktail hour and to go over the cocktail hour. Um, stuff, the things that you want happening during the cocktail hour, you know, if you have a photo booth, that's great. And if that photo booth serves a purpose as a, um, sort of a sign in book where people are, you know, leaving messages for you for the future, um, you know, with their picture, that's a great thing to do. And an activity during cocktail hour, because sometimes people get a little bored and a little restless. Um, also have them search where their table is going to be. You know, if you're going to do your place court or escort card table, that could be an activity as well for them to do while hors d'oeuvres are going. I always recommend having a grazing station as well during the cocktail hour because it gives um, movement from the butler part as well as having um, something to graze at um, during that time. You know, and then you start slowly, you know, cutting that back. Like I said, 550. I'm going to redo the timeline again for you. You get everybody into their seat. You know, your DJ or your band is now lining up everybody for their introductions everybody's either into the tent, the barn, or the venue space, historic mansion, whatever it might be that you've chosen for your wedding. Get your introductions ready because you have already been lined up. Your first dance as a couple, your first, uh, your dances with your parents, your toasts, dinner comes out at 6.30. By 6.45, all of your preferred professionals are eating, whether it's the band, the DJs, the photographer, and the videographer check your contracts because they'll be in there um, requiring food. Um, they can eat. They have 30 minutes to 40 minutes to have all of that. That's plenty of time. If you follow this timeline, no preferred professional would go hungry. Um, so then you're looking at that. Then basically, you know, 730, you get the cake to the middle of the dance floor, make the big to do, cut it, move it, I always suggest doing a dessert station as opposed to plated cake because not everybody wants cake and not everybody wants coffee. Not right away, not while they're drinking and not while they're having a good time. So, you know, if you're ending at 10 o'clock, you've now opened the dance floor at exactly 7.30, you are dancing two and a half hours. 
that's a successful party. That will make your guests go, wow, I had a great time. You know, also having the right band and the right DJ also plays an important part, but really giving them two and a half hours where they are dancing and grooving and really having a good time is a win for everybody. You know, I I have always said that when you look at an event and you break it down, people remember the very beginning and they remember the very end of an event. And everything in the middle has to be great and has to be wonderful and the food has to be sensational and exceptional and it should exceed everybody's expectations. But they remember the good stuff, the, you know, the dancing and the partying and connecting and having all that fun and being silly. Um, some people take it a little too serious, you know, too silly, but it's, it's neither here nor there. Um, you know, and then you sort of sort of slow that process down by, you know, sort of making last call. I never announce last call because you never want everybody to leave the dance floor. So you just slowly have your bar closed without anybody knowing. So about 9.45, 9.50, that bar is closed. So at 10 o'clock, there is no more alcohol. You haven't made an announcement. Nobody has left the dance floor. You are still having a good time. And realistically, 10 minutes of not drinking is really better for everybody. And then you clear out your location. Um, For us, we don't do background music because we want to make sure everybody's out. And one of the reasons is because you have paid an allotted time for breakdown. Nine times out of 10, the rental companies are coming to break down the room. We have to clean it, all of that. And if somebody decides to stay an extra hour by paying the band, you did not pay the venue, nor did you pay the caterer, nor did you pay the event planner to stay that extra hour. So it really isn't fair to just pay pay one company to stay while we all eat into overtime. So I want you to really think about that when you, when either a band or a DJ is being handed a check that it affects everybody like a pebble in a, in a pond, like a ripple effect. You can't just pay one person and expect everybody to stay another hour, which then puts them behind another hour for breakdown and another hour to load their cars and unload their cars. So you have to really, really stick to a timeline because it really is important because the contract that you've signed with your other preferred professionals have you ending at a certain time. And, you know, we do bill for those hours. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard going after people because, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I one of the things that we always discuss with all the preferred professionals that come into whatever venue we're working with is what is your end time because everybody needs to be on the same page not only for everything else but you need to be on that same page for the end time because I I do personally turn the lights on I know that that's wrong but at the end of the day this is a business and you do have to turn the lights on when when it's over because if they're not paying the venue the venue's looking at you or if they're not paying the event planner or they're not paying the caterer and you know now that's eating into their overtime because they've allotted X amount of dollars for staff. And if now that allotment has gone an extra hour and a half, um, it does play a big, a big role. So I want you to think about that. So I hope that this all helped you. When I coined the phrase, uh, even Cinderella had a timeline, I really, really thought about it. And it's when the fairy godmother said to, to Cinderella, the stroke of midnight, everything will come to an end. And I I really do believe that that is, uh, you know, you got your happily ever after, you got your prince or princess or however you want to look at it. But at the end of the day, everything closes and everything ends and everything has a stop time. Um, So I hope that this timeline helps everybody and especially preferred professionals to figure out a way that they can eat without having to eat ahead of the guest because I do find that to be um, not the best practice in our industry. You should eat after the guests are served because we are there to work an event for this client 
all of us and there are no redos in this industry so if you follow this easy timeline it will work i'm going on 33 years of doing this timeline and it works it's only when you have a renegade either band that decides to do a generation dance that throws everything off and when you talk about a generation dance those aren't the best to put right after you do your first dance because now you've gotten let's say 225 people out of their seats and dancing our goal now is to get those people back in their seats because dinner's coming out. But those people are either going to the bathroom or the bar or going to smoke a cigarette. And now dinner's coming out and they're going to say, oh, my dinner's cold. I said, your dinner's cold because you actually sat outside smoking a cigarette for 20 minutes and drinking a beer. So, you, you know, following a simple way of doing this will allow you to have a hot meal on the table, buy you extra time to dance, extra time to have a good time, and everybody walks away happy. All right. So I hope that that helps. And thank you for joining our podcast again. I appreciate you listening. Bye.